Amen. You may be seated as we pray together this morning. Dear Father in heaven, we praise you for this wonderful day, Lord. We praise you for gathering us together this morning in your name. And Lord, I pray that we would come to be united in your name today. Lord, that here in this church and in this building, we would come to find respite from the sin and the death and the hatred of this world. Lord, from the evil that is so prevalent uh, throughout uh, this world, Lord, that uh, when we want to find peace, when we want to find comfort, when we want to find truth, that the only place that we can find those things is in you. And so, Lord, help us to find those things today. Help us to find a true peace. Help us to find true comfort. And help us to find your truth here today. And Lord, as we sing songs of praise, as we pray together in unity as a body of believers, as we read and hear your word today, Lord, would you open up our hearts and our minds to what you would teach us. Help us to know through uh, this service this morning, Lord, what it means to know you and love you. So, Lord, we love you, and we thank you for bringing us here. Lord, may everything that we do and say bring you all of the honor and glory and praise. And it's in your name that we pray. Amen. Greetings from Kiev, Ukraine. Uh, we are Randy and Annette Hillbrand, your missionaries with Crossroad. If you're wondering why my head is glowing, remember when Moses was in the presence of God, his face would glow? <laughs> well, it's not exactly my issue, it's just... This is the best lighting in our apartment, so I hope you can put up with it. So, um, regarding our ministry, life's fluid here due to the war, and that makes ministry more uncertain. Various times, opportunities just pop up day to day, and you do what's presented. Like the other day, I was asked uh, to go shopping and to purchase items for a woman's outreach to military, uh, or it's a military family outreach, and to purchase gifts. I was asked to get pizza on two occasions to women's outreaches for our church. And also our church is doing renovation and repair work. And as a result, we have prayer meetings here. It's gonna be at least two months, um, if not more. So we, we've opened our home for that. It's been a great blessing. Um, also, I preach at church on occasion. I do humanitarian aid in Ukraine, donating uh, items and like these lamps or blow up lamps that I brought in from the States so much cheaper than in the States and actually they blow up like a balloon and they're great people love them and also tourniquets are very important uh, due to you know the things that are going on we're looking at helping to purchase an ambulance right now and I've given a lot of money for you know getting food and things into those places where they're most needed sometimes the places that are just recently hit uh, people will drive in and, and give them humanitarian aid. And because of you guys, we're able to do do that, be a part of that. Also, in Myanmar, there's a lot of flooding going on. And so I've sent in money to two different uh, pastors, and, and they're taking out teams and going out and passing out food and, and taking the gospel. Help there with orphanages and church planners. Also, I, commun you know, I communicate and advise the pastors there in Myanmar about projects. There's a pastor in Uganda doing a Bible distribution funded by Crossworld, and I'm in communication with him about that. Pastor's prayer meeting, I teach on occasion, I go to that, and uh, you know, just have fellowship with the pastors. And two people I'd like you to just consider, Dima and Ira. 
Dima, um, I've known, we've known for 22 years. And Dima says he's a Christian, and he's not. Well, he's back into, I'm a Christian again. And he's off the drugs and alcohol, which makes it much more easy for me to be able to deal with him and to be with him. And we're spending time together again. And just pray for his salvation. And the woman that he had a child with, Gira, uh, she's in Great Britain, and they're not together. They never were married. But the other day, I've talked to her many times over the years. And the other day was the first time she was drunk uh, when she called. But in our conversation, she just cried out to God. She said, I'm so tired. I'm so sick of this. I don't want to be this way. You know, Jesus, come into my heart. You know, God, save me. And she's told me that since that day, she has not desired alcohol. And so I'm, you know, I said, did you really mean what you said? She goes, I was drunk. I talked to her yesterday, but she said, you know, um, yeah, I, I think I, I did. And so we'll see. We're, I'm looking for fruit. And also, we got a children's camp. Actually, we're supposed to be there right now. We're just supposed to have arrived. But uh, I got sick, and Annette said, get checked for COVID. And I did, and I got COVID. So we're not going to be able to go to that. And that's just some of the discouragement sometimes that takes place when it comes to ministry. Yeah, it was going to be an English camp, so they wanted us to help with work with the children using our English. Um, as far as my ministry, um, involved with like hospitality, um, as Randy mentioned, we have Tuesday uh, prayer meeting here, and so I usually bake for that, and I actually do a lot of baking for other ministries at our church. Um, we have several women's ministries going on. Uh, one is for um, just a general women's meeting, you know, once a month where they come together and have some good food, have a good message, maybe a little craft, and just to encourage these ladies to take their mind off the war. Also, we started uh, another group for women who have uh, family members serving. Maybe it's their husband, maybe it's a son, it's a daughter. And just again, to encourage them to know that they're not alone, other people are in the same situation. And, and trying to, of course, encourage them from God's word, reach them with the gospel, um, giving out Bibles and, and many tracts to so many displaced persons over the past year. and just. Uh, sowing lots of seeds. Um, also, I'm still involved somewhat with the widow outreach from years ago. I might be invited to come over to his office and have lunch with several of the widows and uh, bake something. And even though um, I can't understand and communicate a lot in Ukrainian now, they're just encouraged to have me come and they'll also receive like bags of food or gift cards. And again, a way for these ladies to visit with one another, be encouraged. Um, uh, mom's outreach was another one where these ladies, young moms would come and they would get diapers and food for their babies and uh, Bibles and toys and just trying to encourage, reach out to people as, as we're able to. Uh, I still help with um, Sunday school. Once a month I'll uh, prepare the craft for um, the lady who's teaching. Um, so just uh, hospitality as well. We've had guests uh, spend the night with us and our doors open when somebody needs to come and spend the night. And the reason Annette had mentioned the you know difficulty with Ukrainian is because we were trained in, in Russian. So yeah, they're close, but not that close. Sixty percent overlap. Yeah, and, and now the country is totally switched to Ukrainian. Um, so all of our church services, chats, everything is in Ukrainian, which has been a, a challenge for us. But the good news is English is now their second official language. So sometimes they're okay if we, you know, use our English a little bit. Um, as far as daily life goes, um, life is pretty normal for us here in Kiev, except for maybe an occasional you know, missile attack, which can cause some damage, or sometimes people have been 
injured or killed from the fallout because uh, Kiev was usually able to shoot down the drones and missiles. And um, Well, the last time one happened a few weeks ago, it was six in the morning. I was having devotions and I heard a noise like, what is that? And I went to the window and I listened for about two minutes and I couldn't identify the noise. And then all of a sudden, it sounded like it was right over our apartment. I heard two or three missiles whiz by, whiz over. And uh, then I heard the explosion, uh, explosions, and then Annette woke up due to the explosions. You know, another way life's changed, we have a Geiger counter here. Um, I've had it on up until just this last week and I finally took it down because it was reported that the Russian army had put uh, explosives on the um, nuclear power plant and which they had taken over and uh, they didn't know if they were gonna blow it or not. So I got that and iodine pills just to be ready in case there was some kind of a problem. Got a global communicator and map device in case cell towers go down and we needed to, we needed to you know, get out, get out of Kiev and uh, have uh, directions and things like that. So anyway, things have changed. Um, and like I mentioned, uh, everything switching over to Ukrainian makes life more challenging for us. Sometimes uh, just hard to always understand and communicate and Purchasing things, most things are available again, except uh, sometimes things like the, in the past you may have seen available and then when you want it, it's not available. So sometimes I have to do a lot of hunting and gathering for things for crafts or even for baking things. Um, we are maybe we'll be having brownouts again this winter. They've expected that because of um, just trying to conserve energy. Our heat was just turned on, so we're not sure if we're going to start maybe um, a couple times a day or out a couple hours a day lose electricity which is difficult because then you don't have internet you don't have phone service it's hard to uh, accomplish things uh, you go shopping everybody's got their generators running again so we just don't know sure what that's what it's going to be like this winter another example is just due to the war makes traveling so much more difficult we ministered in uganda and myanmar and different places myanmar has war so that makes it difficult to go there but just getting in and out of the country. We used to be able to go to the airport 20 minutes from us, fly to another destination. Now we have to go to Europe uh, at the end of next week and for a conference. And I had to buy the plane tickets. Once I got that, I had to work backwards and said, okay, now I need to get Ukrainian train tickets. When, you know, looking at making sure everything fits together, getting Ukrainian tickets, which gets us just into Poland, then getting Polish train tickets, which the, it wouldn't, the website would not sell me tickets. I had to call a colleague in Poland and have him purchase them. Then I had to book a hotel in Warsaw. Then uh, when we get to Switzerland, we have to purchase Swiss train tickets. And then when we, you know, for coming back, you know, you can only buy Ukrainian train tickets 20 days before you want to use them. So I had to wait and then I had to get the return Ukrainian train tickets, then book a hotel. In Sorry about that, technical difficulties. Um, my name is Mark. My wife, Marcia, and I serve on the missions team. Uh, we meet once a month and try to guide what we can do for the missions missionaries here at Oakwood. Um, we do have openings. Um, if you are interested in serving that way and serving on the missions team and have a heart for, for that, um, contact Pastor Brad um, or the church office. Our missions conference uh, this year, uh, we picked the title probably in June, I think, is time is short, spread the word. And I think you heard from the Hildebrands about war there. We've seen war in Israel. We talked about war in other parts of the country or world. We have all kinds of 
odd things that I never thought I'd see happening here in the United States. And I think it really speaks to the fact that as Christians, we need to be out there and we need to be spreading the word. You heard from Abby Smith, who is one of our, we support MOPS as a church here, as a local ministry. We also support Gospel Mission. Um, Pastor Brown will be here next week to give the message. We also support um, uh, Alternatives, Pregnancy Care Center, and we also support um, Youth for Christ, and specifically we um, sponsor or support Joe Bragg, who's going to bring our message today. Um, Joe is the ministry director, and he's been in that position for over five years for here for the Kalamazoo area, um, and uh, he's going to bring the word today to us. His wife and their three children are here as well with him, so please greet them afterwards. Um, he does have a mohawk, so, you know, that's, that's okay. Um, he said he did flatten it out a little bit for us this Sunday, and he, and he uh, made sure it wasn't blue or pink or something like that, just to make sure that, uh, you know, whatever. So I thought it'd be kind of fun to have it spiky and different color, but Joe... Come bring the word to us and uh, what, what the Lord's laid on your heart. That's much heavier than I thought it was, and <laughs> either that or I'm a lot weaker than I thought I was. So. Good morning. Do you understand the gospel? Do you understand the purpose of church, the organization, versus church, the purpose of the church, the organism? Do you understand that there's work to be done? And do you understand that you are an ambassador of the king and you have been called into this work? Uh, this morning will not be light, but it is rather my hope that the Lord would do a mighty work in our hearts so that we may impact those around us for the cause of Christ Jesus, to him be the glory. See, this is the gospel, that we have all sinned, that we all fall short of God's glorious standard, that death, both physically and spiritually, is the result of sin, as the wages of sin is death. Every one of us has a debt that we cannot pay. There is no amount of good deeds or right living that we can do to earn enough to pay the debt owed. It is insurmountable as it relates to human effort. But God so loved the world that he sent his only son, Jesus, so that whoever would believe in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, God in the flesh, stepped in, lived a perfect sinless life, and on the cross took the death, the very punishment we so rightly deserve. So that when we believe in him, we will not perish, but rather our relationship with God will be restored. That our lives will be transformed and we will enter into eternal life with God. But not only did Jesus die in our place, he rose from the grave on the third day, rendering the sting of death powerless in the life of those who call upon the name of Jesus. Those who have put their faith in Christ have gone from death to life and entered into the kingdom of God and are called to a new way of living so that others might see their good deeds and glorify their Father in heaven. And we are saved by grace through faith. To God be the glory. When those of us who follow Jesus understand the gospel, 
When we understand what God has done for us, this should bring us to our knees and drive us to all, to do all that God has commanded us. This next section here, I hope I don't offend anyone, but if I do, I'll have a table out there. We can talk after. It's just my plug to get you to come and talk to me at the table after. But I want to look at church, the organization, versus church, the organism. And I'm going to read Ephesians 4, 11 through 16. I promise you we'll get to 5, 1 through 21. You guys, it's going to be an extended service. It'll be fine. But Ephesians 4, 11 through 16 states this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds and teachers to equip the saints for the work of the ministry, for building up the body of Christ until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, so that we may no longer be children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by human cunning, by craftiness and deceitful schemes. Rather, speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in every way into him who is the head, into Christ, from whom the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. When each part is working properly, makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. See, the church, the organization, is to equip the church, the organism, to do the work of the ministry. Now, yes, the organization is made up of members of the organism, but it is not the organization's job to do the role of the organism. In other words, you have a church staff and a leadership team, and then you have the congregants, and within this, there are distinct roles. The staff and leaders are to equip the people to go into the world and do the work of the ministry. I've been here before, so you may have heard me say this, but sadly, I believe that we've over-programized churches, that we as the body of Christ need to actually go out and take the initiative to do the work. And instead of waiting for the church to have a hospital visiting ministry, maybe you go and grab a couple friends and visit someone in the hospital. Or what if men's and women's ministry actually happened organically rather than a once a month breakfast or an occasional retreat? Because there's a profound question that comes out of this. If the church wasn't hosting these monthly breakfasts or these retreats or life groups or whatever it is, would you be meeting with others consistently and doing life together? What if the organism, what if we, the organism, took our role seriously and that we were out in the world actively sharing the gospel through word and deed and ministry happened more naturally? Thing is, do you understand that this is the call? Don't hate me for this, but I want you to think about it. Sometimes we just have an event in our parking lot and we call it an outreach event. The question is, is it? I think it can be. But the reality is, is that we, the congregation, we are to be the outreach event. That we are to go into this world. That we are to be the outreach event. I'm not saying these things are bad. I'm just trying to draw attention to the fact that we, the organism, have a tendency, you're not going to like this word, but we have a tendency to leech off the organization, and we expect them to have the programs, and we outsource much of our role to the organization. But again, the organization is to equip and build up the organism so that we go out of this building and with the hands and feet of Jesus, both in discipleship and evangelism, 
And this is not simply a suggestion, but this is to be the reality of the body of Christ. That sadly, we have, in the area of evangelism in particular, we've reduced this to a church invite rather than a relationship invite where we do life with people. We share the good news of Jesus with them, and then they receive the new life that Christ offers, and then we invite them to come to church so that they can be equipped and then go into the world and do the work. This is the cycle. I go out, I talk with people, I share the good news of Jesus, they come to Christ. I then say, hey, you should come to this church, get plugged in, get equipped so that they learn, and then they go out, and then they share the good news of Jesus, and then they have other people that are coming to Christ, and then they plug them into church, and it just goes on. This is how this is supposed to happen. And I know I'm painting with a broad brush, but I think it matters greatly. As was just shared, the theme of your mission conference is time is short, spread the word, right? But do you believe that? Do you believe it? And now I'm not speaking from an eschatological perspective, but simply looking at the reality that our lives are but a vapor. Do you believe that time is short, period? That your life is a vapor, and not only yours, but those in the sphere that you have that is your influence. Their lives are but a vapor as well. So do you understand that there is work to be done? Do you understand that you are an ambassador of the king and you have been called into this work? And maybe you've heard me say this before, but it bears repeating. The way we live matters because there are lives at stake. Now, I'd like to pray, and then we're going to dive into Ephesians 5. That was the appetizer. So let's pray. Let's dig in. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you first and foremost for who you are. Lord, this is the day that you have made. May we rejoice and be glad in it. Father, these people don't need to hear from me. They need to hear from you. I need to hear from you. So, Lord, you speak. Do a mighty work in our hearts so that we may have come in one way, but we leave another. Father, this is your word, your truth. We are your people, and we are here, and we are asking you to speak. Father, we thank you for this place where we can sing your praises, where we can get into your word and proclaim the truth. Father, we do pray for our brothers and sisters all throughout the world that just simply for sharing the name of Jesus are finding themselves under persecution. Some are in prison, some are killed. Lord, give them boldness. But Father, as we live in this country where we can freely share your name, give us boldness that we not shrink back. Father, we thank you so much for the love that you have for us. Help us not to take this lightly. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. If you have your copy of the scripture, please turn to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at the first 21 verses. And I want to read it all as one section here, and then we'll start to walk through it. Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But sexual immorality and all impurity or covetousness must not even be named among you as is proper among saints. Let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving, For you may be sure of this, 
that everyone who is sexually immoral or impure or who is covetous, that is an idolater, has no inheritance in the kingdom of God, the kingdom of Christ and God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Look carefully, then, how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. May the Lord add his blessing at the reading and the hearing of his word this morning. We are called to be imitators of God as beloved children. Why is it important that we imitate God? I would submit the top two reasons are plain. First, it is the absolute best way to live as it is life-giving, but most importantly, it is God-honoring. And second, our witness is of the utmost importance. If we claim the name of Christ, we ought to walk in a manner worthy of the call. 1 John 2, 6 states this, whoever says he abides in him ought to walk in the same way in which he walked. In other words, be imitators of God as beloved children. The reality is, is that people are watching. And Jesus puts it this way, in Matthew 5, 13 through 16, probably a very common verse, but man, do we need to hear it continuously. That you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Y'all, the reality is, is that we are called to live as salt and light so that people may uh, taste and see that he is good. Don't miss that. Salt and light so that people can taste and see that he is good. That as we live our lives for Christ, that they will see our good deeds and they will glorify our Father in heaven. And see, I led out by asking if you understand the gospel, because again, if we do, we should be falling all over ourselves to serve God. Because one of the things that I love about the Apostle Paul's writing and how God used him is that whenever he calls us to do something, he draws us back to the good news of Jesus and what he has done for us. 
So Paul does say, therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Paul is calling us to be imitators of Christ, right, to be imitators of God, and he's right, right out the gate. Now, let me tell you, here's the gospel, that Christ gave himself up for us. He's not, they're not distinct, so man, be an imitator of God because you saw this in Christ Jesus. You see what God has done for you. So check out Paul's admonishment in Romans 12, 1 through 2. He states this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what the will, what is the will of God, what is good, acceptable, and perfect. Y'all, this is intentionally gospel-driven living. That Jesus Christ gave himself up for us, a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God, and we are in turn to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is our spiritual worship. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Paul in Ephesians 5, right, he's driving a contrast of lifestyles. He's saying that there are those who are in the light and those who live in the dark. And we know that when we shine light in the darkness, it exposes things. Verses three through five drive this, con uh, this contrast, but I'm gonna jump to verse six. It says, let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of these things, the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not become partners with them, for at one time you were darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light, for the fruit of, a fruit of light is found in all that is good and right and true. And try to discern what is pleasing to the Lord. Take no part in unfruitful works of darkness, but instead expose them. For it is even shameful to speak of the things that they do in secret. But when anything is exposed by the light, it becomes visible. For anything that becomes visible is light. Therefore, it says, awake, O sleeper, and arise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. Y'all, Paul is telling us to be imitators of God because we are now light in the Lord. And prior to knowing Jesus, we were once darkness. The, this contrast is so that people will see the difference. And like moths to a flame, our lives should be drawing people in. Now, this drawing might result in persecution, but it also might result in revival. Either way, are you living a life in such a way that it is evident that you belong to God? Again, you might draw persecution, but you also might draw revival. There might be a way where people come to know Jesus simply because of the way you're living your life, the things you're saying to them, the conversations that you are having, they start to see it. They want to know more about it. They're gonna start asking you questions. And this is 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, right? But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. Colossians 4, 5 through 6 
Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you'll have the right response for everyone. You undoubtedly have non-believing friends in your sphere of influence or people in general. They don't even have to be your friends. If you don't, I think a fair question would be why not? But we have people around us that don't know Jesus. Are you living in such a way that they see your life and ask you about the hope that is in you? And when they do, are you prepared to give an answer for that hope? We are to live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. See, I believe, Paul, here. I think we're supposed to make the most of every opportunity. This is God's inspired word, right? That this isn't just some suggestion. That No, we're supposed to actually make the most of every opportunity with those who do not believe. And when we do this, people are going to ask us why we do the things we do. And then, because you're prepared to give an answer, let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. There's a lot to unpack here, but I think we're to live wisely among non-believers, making the most of every opportunity and having conversations that are persuasive and winsome. Taking the time to meet people where they're at, having conversations that are relevant to their life because you know about their life, or you maybe just met them and you're going to make the most of that opportunity and you're going to actually take the time to stop whatever's going on to say, I'm not going to be busy. I'm going to be present in this moment and I'm going to have this conversation because this is who God has placed in front of me right now. And I just, even if we walk away, and I don't get it all out, because, right, you're not going to probably get everything out in that conversation, but can they walk away saying there's something different about that person? We have to keep in mind here, too, though, when Peter's writing, he's writing to a persecuted people. He's telling them to live boldly for Jesus and to share the truth in love, to live in such a way that people ask them about the hope that is in them. Y'all, currently... We are not a persecuted people, and yet we seem to have no idea how to do this collectively. I mean, think about it. Look at this room. Look around you, right? These pews are pretty full. If we were all living genuinely for Christ, what an impact that people could see something different at Oakwood. Man, we'll talk about that in a second. But that they see something different in you, so much so that they have curiosities, they want to know why you live the way you live. I'm going to start running away from my notes here, so I'm going to refocus. Because here's the thing. We either have no idea how to do this, or we know exactly what we're to be doing, and we simply aren't. But maybe you're sitting here and you're saying, Joe, honestly, I can say that I'm doing these things. Praise God. This should honestly be true of all of us. But regardless of where you fall on the spectrum, the call is the same. Be imitators of God as beloved children. Walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. Because Paul goes on in Ephesians 5 to say this. This is beautiful. But he says, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit, 
addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Y'all, verses 15 and 16 are two of my favorite verses in all of Scripture. God has used them continually to remind me that I need to operate with intentionality. That this is about seizing the opportunity for the glory of Jesus. And that making the most of the time that we are given. That though our lives are but a vapor, we have today. And we are called to live as wise rather than unwise. Making the most of this time. You see, Paul states in 1 Corinthians 10, 31, right? So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. That encompasses all of life. It's pretty plain. I mean, he's breaking it down to even eating and drinking or sums it all up. Whatever you do, do it all to the glory of God. We are to live in such a way that our lives are living sacrifices, holy and acceptable, so that we would live in such a way that what we are doing, whatever it is, it is done to the glory of God. I can't help but think that if we're living this way, people are going to see that. I mean, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I've lost my mind here, but I think that's true. That if we're really living for Jesus, and we have surrendered our lives to him, and we believe that whether we eat or drink or whatever we do, we are to do it to the glory of God. If we believe this, it should be reflected in our lives. Because if a non-believer reads that verse and they look at your life and they're like, huh, I don't think you're doing that for the glory of God, that might bring some questions too. Now again, we're an imperfect people, right? Don't mishear me, this isn't about perfectionism. But this is about striving after the things of Christ, taking him seriously enough to say, you know what, I believe you, Lord, and you have called me through your word to be an imitator of you. And so I need to go and do that. And when I fail, it's going to sound weird, but fail forward, right? Fail well. Go make it right. Go to the Lord, right, and say, Lord, I've sinned against you. And if I've wronged somebody else, go and talk to them. Own it. But Ephesians 5, 17, it says, therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Now, Paul has just contrasted the wise and the unwise, and the reality is true wisdom comes from God. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. See, here's the thing. It starts first with the fear of the Lord, but our main understanding of the will of the Lord comes from a good knowledge of his word. Are we reading it? Are we in it? Do we take it seriously? Do we believe him? Do we believe the things that he is saying? And we know that the Lord is using his people to point to him so that others may surrender their lives to Jesus. We know that God has called us to make disciples of the nations. This is clear. This is plain. There's no question. When Jesus gives the great commission, no one walks away from that saying, I wonder what he wants us to do think we got to make disciples, but did anyone else catch that? Yes, it was very, very plain that we're to go out into this world and we're to make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them all the things that Christ has taught. And the beautiful thing is he is with us. So the one that sends us goes with us. 
we have nothing to fear. Man. The answer to all evil is Jesus. And how we live as those who proclaim his name matters greatly. So I'll ask it again for the third time. Do you understand that there is work to be done? Do you understand that you are an ambassador of the king and that you have been called into this work? I work for Kalamazoo Youth for Christ. We are very much in the trenches with the youth of this community. And I will tell you, we certainly value your partnership with us in this endeavor. This is not easy work, but it is good work. And having the local church come alongside what we're doing is a massive blessing. But I am very excited to say that we see young people coming to know Jesus as their Lord and Savior consistently. And it is incredible to watch their lives change because of his amazing grace. A couple of weeks ago, we witnessed 11 middle school students make a bold profession of faith. Amen, indeed. I'll tell you the story here. See, I was blessed to have the opportunity to share the word that evening, and I was speaking on uh, attitude. And I don't know if Pastor Brad has used this illustration before. If I start to do it and he has, just wave me off and say, we've seen that like seven times. You don't have to do it again. Um, maybe, yeah, I don't know. Does Brad reuse illustration? Uh, possibly. <laughs> but I used an illustration that Brad had used years ago many years ago, I'm too old, but many years ago, and it really hit me, and I brought it into this space, and I watched it level the students. So have you ever seen Brad use an illustration with a water bottle? Okay, cool. Yeah, we might be good then. I'm not going to open this because I don't want Jeff to be up here leading worship and slip and fall, so for the sake of this illustration, you have to pretend like the cap is off, okay? And this is, this is how the illustration goes. I'm like, okay, I have this bottle of water, cap's off. If I shake it, what's going to happen? All right, water comes out. Good. So you guys are tracking with me. All right, cool. Water comes out. Why? Ah, uh, you, you just got the punchline right away. You've seen this illustration before, huh? You're all... <laughs> that was awesome. So if you didn't hear what he said, he says, when you shake it, and I say, why? You know, he says, because water's inside. That's the answer, right? Because most, but the kids don't catch that right away. So they say, well, it comes out because you're shaking it. Or it's too full. And I'm like, I mean, those are true. Yes, I'm shaking it, but why? And, and then when you tell them, it's like water comes out because water's what's inside. And then I ask them the question very plainly. When you're shaking, what comes out of you? Immediately, they said, anger. I mean, it didn't like that. Anger. And I offered them, I said, hey, Jesus wants to replace that anger. He wants to replace it with the fruit of the Spirit. He wants to give you love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. He wants these things to flow from you. That he will take that anger and he offers you a new life. And then I went into Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30, right? Come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest. We are working with a population. These kids need rest. They are weary. They are battered down. They are dealing with things. Some of them don't even know their parents. They're wandering. They have baggage. And I simply just said, this is the invitation that Christ has given you to come to him. Now, I'm not one for the emotional altar call. 
I'm also not a big fan of the close your eyes and raise your hand thing and repeat after me. So what I said was, if you are longing for this, like what Christ is offering you, and you see that what he is offering you, that's what you want, I want you to stand right now in front of everybody. No eyes closed, nothing. Just stand up and say, I I want what Jesus has. And I watched a young man stand up, but I wasn't ready for this. He stood up and he ran to the front. And I was like, okay, hi. I I just, awesome. Like, are you you ready to give your life to Christ? And he's like, yes. And then boom, 10 other kids pop up. All come to the front in front of all their peers. Right, amen indeed. Because they're saying like, no, this, this makes sense. I'm, I'm surrendering my life to Jesus. And, you, and after that, we were able to have the conversations like, do you understand this? Then we get to pray with them, and now we get to start walking with them through discipleship. This is beautiful. These 11 lives completely transformed, and they were willing to stand up in front of their peers. And in middle school, you don't want to stand up in front of anybody. But they got up, and when that kid ran to the front, and then I just watched these other kids do that same thing. I mean, it was hard not to be like a weeping mess. And it would have been justifiable, but I had to remain somewhat composed. We, we cried after. But in that same week, during our high school ministry, I'm having an incredible conversation with two young ladies that admittedly do not believe in Jesus. But what they said was incredible. Toward the end of the conversation, one of them says to me, she says, Joe, we come here because we know there is something going on. There is something different. We just don't know what it is yet. Well, I sat on that word yet because I, you know, I got a little excited. I said, well, you just said yet. And she went, oh. It was kind of funny. And I said, no, that's exciting. And I said, that, that difference that difference that you see, that is Jesus. And I said, and I would love to keep this conversation going. And she smiled and she said, absolutely. Y'all, it is my prayer that this young lady come to know Christ so that she can experience true life and so that someone one day can come to her and say, there's something different about you. And she has the opportunity to boldly proclaim the good news of Jesus. So the question that I have for you this morning is simple. Is there something different about you? Y'all, please be praying for us. Again, we, we are so blessed by your partnership. But be praying. The students that we are ministering to, as I said, they're going through it. Christ is bigger than their circumstance, and they need to know that. The time must end, must, I'm emphatic on this, must end, where we, the organism, sits back and hopes that the church will launch a new program, or we hope that the pastor will preach the gospel today because we invited our friend to church. Rather, we must live intentional lives for our Lord and Savior, because our lives are but a vapor. And as people that believe that there are eternal ramifications concerning the belief or rejection of Jesus, we must look carefully then how we walk, not as unwise, but wise, making the most or the best use of our time because the days are evil. There is work to be done. And God's word makes it clear 
that we, the organism, are to go out and do this work. And he has given us a very specific mission. And that we don't have the excuse, I'm too busy. Got too much going on. We can't hide behind that any longer. This time is short and we need to spread the word. We're in this together. I am in desperate need of the body of Christ. I'm so thankful that God has given us collectively a community to walk this thing out. And so may we be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence to Christ. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Father, we thank you for sending your Son to pay the debt that we cannot pay so that all who would believe will not perish but have eternal life. Father, light a fire in our hearts so that we aren't complacent, but rather we are intentionally living gospel-driven lives. Give us a heart for the lost. Drive us into spaces that force us to have conversations that force us to choose you so that people can see and ask questions. Lord, may it be said of us that we are a peculiar people, that something is different. Again, help us to be salt and light so that people may taste and see that you are good. Father, help us to leave the excuses at the door. Help us to move as a unified front, set on one purpose, and that is to glorify you with our lives. Father, I do thank you for this place, the freedoms we have. Lord, help us not to take this freedom that we have in Christ and this freedom that we have in this country and use it as something for our flesh, but rather we would serve one another in love and that we would impact this world for the sole purpose of Christ Jesus, his kingdom, his glory, all honor. So we thank you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Joe, for a very powerful message. I'm only slightly envious of your mohawk. I, the best I can do is a reverse mohawk, whatever, whatever that might be. Um, for those of you that are visiting us for the first time, my name is John Ruza. I'm an elder here at Oakwood Bible Church. Just two Sundays ago, uh, we acknowledged our pastors and staff uh, for Pastor Appreciation Month. 
who would have thought uh, one Sunday later that our lead pastor would be essentially fighting for his life. So I'm going to give you just an update. I'm not going to get into a lot of details, but uh, uh, basically what happened was uh, last Sunday, uh, Brad started, uh, well, he was, uh, he was taken to the hospital uh, the, the night before, and uh, there was some bleeding going on uh, from his liver, and it became dysfunctional, uh, not functioning at all, actually. Um, so over then the next five days, uh, they did do an extensive surgery uh, last Sunday, but they weren't able to complete it here in Kalamazoo, so they transferred him to U of M on Monday, um, and until... Thursday or Friday, uh, he has basically been sedated. Uh, they did complete the surgery successfully, and um, he has been out of sedation uh, just as of about yesterday. If I have my notes straight, I'm going to uh, read something that uh, Kathy just sent uh, earlier this morning. Uh, Kathy said, I'm overwhelmed with Oakwood's care and generosity. Brad has been moved to a regular room out of ICU as of last night and is starting to gain back strength. Uh, he is alert and knows all of us and talks to us. Uh, he is frustrated that he finds himself in this condition. We are on a long road to recovery, so we'll take it day by day. Uh, we know God is faithful and we are in his hands. Please send my gratitude and love for everyone who has pitched in to help and has prayed for us. We love our Oakwood family. So I do want to thank everybody that has stepped up this past week. I know that uh, there weren't a lot of details initially. Uh, that was on purpose uh, in, in one sense. Uh, they're, they're pretty private, but also there wasn't a lot of, uh, un, there's a lot of unknown still as to what even caused this, this whole situation. But uh, People have really stepped up, uh, the leadership in the church and, and others just in the, in the congregation. So uh, I can't thank you enough for that. Um, if you want to know what to do at this point, um, certainly sending cards. Uh, uh, here, the church address would be appropriate. Uh, we don't know when Brad will come home. Uh, there's going to be a fair amount of physical therapy uh, that will have to take place. And uh, if you're wondering uh, how are we going to carry on over the next uh, several weeks, uh, that is what we're here for. Uh, we have been uh, put in this position for a reason. Uh, our staff uh, is showing a lot of leadership as to how we're going to move forward. Uh, we do have next Sunday is, again, Mission Sunday. We have another speaker. So, Joe, uh, this, I mean, the timing of this was you know, obviously God's hand. But uh, we'll have the pulpit covered. We have no idea how long uh, that he will be out of commission, uh, but we're going to uh, make sure that he follows doctor's orders, and um, yeah, encourage and encourage him with that, uh, because uh, Brad is, uh, he likes to go, 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 as we all know, and uh, you know, as I've said this, and who knows, maybe this is one way of, of slowing Brad down uh, for at least a moment, uh, but anyways, uh, he is our lead, our lead shepherd, and so uh, we're thankful that uh, God has kept him, so uh, I just want to close in prayer. 
Father, thank you that uh, you have all of our days. You know how many of them there are. And we don't know from one day to the next if we will still be here or if we'll be joining you in eternity. But Lord, thank you that you have you have determined to preserve Brad's life. And thank you for the prayers of everybody that has known about the situation. He is our lead shepherd, Lord. We do need him. And uh, we, we do ask, Father, that uh, in the days, weeks, months ahead, that uh, you will heal his liver so that uh, he may not need to be concerned about a, a transplant in the future. Father, the kind of uh, sickness that he uh, has incurred, that uh, we, we, some people walk away from it and, and can live very normal lives, but uh, uh, we are asking for that. So may our prayers be offered up to you on a regular basis. And Father, we do plead for his full recovery and restoration. And continue to bless his family uh, that they have surrounded him uh, this whole week, uh, those that have come in from out of town, uh, his daughters, and especially his wife. I, I continue to ask, Lord, for uh, the strength and peace that you've given them thus far. May you be glorified by how all this turns out and, uh, and the testimony that it, that it will be. In Jesus' name, amen. You're dismissed.